Welcome to the Triple Rock Survivor Podcast. I'm John. My co-host, who will be arguing with the imaginary internet strangers tonight, is Andy. And we're going to discuss episode 12 of Survivor Cambodia, the episode that gives you everything you love about Survivor, tears and medical emergencies. And man kisses. Don't forget man kisses. In fact, I think Ugh. I think that's all we should talk about tonight. It's just family visits and the medical. That That's kind of the podcast we are. Yeah, we need to talk about cultural practices within a family as if it matters in some way. Yeah, uh, or another thing we could do is we could talk about Joe. Oh, the teen girls just lit up their faces. You can just see them beaming from here. I doubt it because they have not yet stopped crying. And also, I'm not sure there are demo. But, you know, <laughs> what up if it is? Hey, how's it going, ladies? It's your Taylor Swift fandom that brought them here. Uh, do the kids even listen to her anymore? She gone to an older audience? I don't know. Let me know, kids. Um, I actually don't really DM me or anything. I don't need that in my life. Um, so we said goodbye to Joey Amazing. And, um, frankly, I don't know if there's a whole lot to talk about with Joe himself. We'll do it, though. But more, I'm more interested in talking about all the reactions to, uh, Joe's departure. Yeah, there seemed to be, uh, pretty divisive, although... It was predictably so. I mean, my opinion on him hasn't changed a whole lot from even, I think, the preview of this season. I think he's extraordinarily gifted at challenges. He does some things around camp that are really good. And that's about it. I mean, he's not, like, hated by any means, but he also doesn't seem to be anyone's, like, number one alliance partner other than maybe Wigglesworth or Keith. Although, if he'd gotten to the end with that duo... We'd be calling him a genius right now. Um, he just, to me, seems like he's a less charming, more athletic, more attractive version of Malcolm, basically. Yeah, and I don't agree with that. I think he's incredibly charming. I think the reason why he doesn't have, like, a strong final partner, because nobody's that freaking stupid. Uh, like, every, I think almost the internet doesn't know what to do with Joe, because every criticism of him is basically he's too great. Which is such a weird thing, but it's accurate, uh, and that's Survivor. Um, yeah, what strategy could Joe employ that would trick people into letting them lose to him? If, if he was this charming, though, I mean, we've seen people who were like dominant at challenges, Tom Westman, dominant at challenges, and he was still charming enough to get people to keep him around. Uh, a couple things. That's a much different kind of Survivor, and that actually could lead to an interesting discussion that I didn't put down on the sheet. Um, old school survivor is dead. Uh, final eight, seven of them are from the last two years. Final seven, six of them still are. Like, uh, that a- attitude where a Tom Westman could, you know, carry through, or even a JT who was not nearly the challenge competitor that Joe is. That's, that's gone. People aren't doing that. People are expressly talking about how they're not gonna be JT. And also, all due respect to both of those guys, they ain't Joe. Like, Joe, I think almost people are obscure to how good he is because he, you know, his individual tallies aren't as high as, say, a Terry Dietz or something, because uh, nobody's are. Uh, but that's because he was a target right away, and, yeah, he won all the challenges before that. All the team challenges were mostly won by Joe. Like, the, the, I don't know if we've ever seen a threat like Joe before. I think you give him a little too much credit. I might give him a little too little credit. Well, okay. Explain to me, what could Joe do differently than he did not do? Not much. I mean, 
win immunity that we said before the season. That's his path to the end because he doesn't, at least in my estimation, have the sort of social skills that are going to keep him around. No, oh, let's pretend he does. But he's still as amazing as he is. He's still this good-looking guy that people like, who everybody calls amazing, but apparently he has no social skills, uh, that nobody's ever said a bad word about. But you're right, he's a terrible social player. Uh, and he wins this many challenges. What's it, what does he do? How does he convince people that losing to him is in their best interest? Especially how does he convince a bunch of returnees? You have to convince them that you'll drag them to the end, or you'll bring them to the end, and... They have to be like, all right, you'll be my muscle and I'll be the strategy and I will beat you because we've seen that happen before. And again, yes, it was a long time ago. You will beat Ozzy and it was close, but that's the argument you'd have to make. And which of these players would be dumb enough to believe that besides Keith and Wigglesworth? I was going to say, well, we just named two. That's not enough to control votes. Uh, apparently Savage was all in on Joe. That's true. It seemed. And Joe did the right thing by, you know, teaming up with those people and not voting them out. And, wow, I mean, who else are you going to grab? I, I'm sure Dietz would have been all on board. He couldn't yeah. get Dietz, though. No, I mean, I bet he made a try for it. But that damn kids, man, they ruin everything. Yeah, I mean, his pickings were slim. But you could say that about a bunch of people that came into this season. What I'm saying is I think people are giving Joe, and, and when I say people, I mean our people, because obviously there's this entire other side of fandom who, you know, just think he's amazing. Well, I mean, actually, everybody who's ever met Joe thinks he's amazing. Other uh, people think, yeah, he, he's everything, and they're very sad right now. But I think what's happened is Joe is getting the inverse criticism that non-challenge threats like Sandra or Shireen get. It's like, well, why do they suck so much at challenges? That's the big flaw in their game. They should just go out and win challenges. For Joe, it's, you shouldn't be as awesome as he is. He is who he is, and that's the handicap he comes in to Survivor with. And that it means that he has to win immunities is true. Like, I just, I think anybody who tells us, who says that, you now there's another strategy that Joe could have employed besides continuing to win is lying to themselves. Because if you were out there with Joe, if you never, you know, before this season, you're like, anybody who's out there with Joe, you know that you can't take this guy because he's going to win a lot and because He's a very nice guy. He isn't Ozzy, a douchebag who you might be able to beat in certain jury situations. He isn't even Tom, who actually had a few moments where he blew up at people. He's not Rob, who kind of seems mean. He's a nice guy who can do all this stuff. So, and I, I forgot to mention one person, Jeremy, because if you're Jeremy, this exact scenario that I mentioned earlier kind of fits. Jeremy could be the Yule to Joe's Ozzy. You mean the Jeremy who voted Joe out last night, Jeremy? Well, we'll get to the reasons for that later, though. No, Jeremy had no intention of taking Joe to the end. Joe's did his work for Jeremy. If he could have done it for a couple more weeks, that's cool. But Joe is always uh, somebody who will, you know, be his shield for a while and then go. Uh, Jeremy said in words that it's like, yeah, I think we should vote out Joe, too. Savage was like, nah, and Fishback is awful. Like, (laughs) Jeremy isn't that dumb. Like, you need to find somebody as dumb as Ian Rosenberger in order to beat Joe. Or as Emma is weeping right now. Well, I'll make it more. As dumb as Stephen Fishback the first time around. The problem is that people who have seen Survivor before are like, oh, I'm not going to be Stephen or Ian, including somebody whose name is Stephen Fishback. Like, it's just... He, this was always the condition he had. Just like, you can't tell, you know, Courtney Yates to go out there and it's like, well, just win immunities if you want to go. Or three. 
Suri, why didn't she win those immunities? It's the same thing with Joe. Why did he win those immunities? Because he is. And he's always going to be a target for this. Young men like Joe are always a target, even if they're not actually good at challenges. There's always like a, oh, he's going to be a threat because he's got pecs. I, it's almost like strategy is nice and all, and I think he'd employed some, but at the end of the day, he was always going to be a target. And this time a successful target. But yeah, so like I, I just think I don't know if the internet knows how to handle that because a lot of us uh, don't give a crap about challenges and are also not particularly used to being somebody like Joe. But like we're criticizing him for being who he is, and yeah, it was always going to be hard for him to win. I nope, I didn't think he was going to. You didn't think he was going to. But I don't think that's a flaw in his game. More and moreover, I really don't think it's a flaw that he tried to win challenges. That is some of the dumbest things that I keep hearing over and over again. If Joe only uh, sandbagged it a bit, then what? These people are going to forget the season they literally just watched? So if you're keeping track at home, that's Andy's first attack on the internet commenters. Oh, I'll name names. Rob keeps pushing this. And yeah, this is probably Rob not understanding what it's like to be a Joe, because who does? Uh People who are on that season, including Steven, have been like, that's stupid. We all knew that Joe was a threat. If he would have lost, we just would have voted him out earlier. It's weird. Survivor has created this world, and I like the show. This is what it is. Where being too good at things is a problem. And to be clear, it's not just being too good at challenges. You can be too charming, and it can be a problem, too. Yeah. Oh, we can't let that guy go to the end. People like him too much. He did too much stuff around camp. And if people think that, oh, Joe wouldn't have won in the finals, well, explain to me why everybody wanted to vote him out so damn bad. Good point. (laughs) Can we move off of Joe finally? Well, this... Yes, let's talk about all the other people who mattered in this past episode. Like, this is his boot episode, is it not? Uh, It's just... Actually, what was interesting to me is, obviously, there's all his Facebook fans who have been incredibly awful to the people who voted him out. But I don't care about those Facebook fans or whatever. Those aren't my people. Uh, what's interesting is how the other side, and maybe it's because they're dealing with those Facebook fans, tried to turn Joe into a villain this season. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would go that far. I, I think what I was saying is, again... I'm not saying you. Oh, I know. But I'm taking the other side as someone who's... I'm not on board with Joe. I wasn't rooting for Joe wasn't really rooting against Joe either. He was A just, lot of people were rooting against Joe. Yes, and I was not among them. I He was just kind of there for me. Yeah, they're like, oh, that Joe, he won again. And, so, and obviously, if you are rooting for people that aren't Joe, then it's a problem. Just like I hated the Miami Heat for a while, not because of anything due to, you know, them signing free agents or anything like that. It's because their success would get in the way of the success of teams I cheer for. Uh, so I get that, but it was just weird that it's like, Joe, really? He's, he's your great antagonist of the season. Like his only story is he gets out there and competes. I will say that I actually found his challenge, uh, streak more interesting because normally I don't care about challenges. So there was almost that challenge, that drama. Kind of like the Miami Heat, where every year I had a team to cheer for in the finals. The team that wasn't playing them. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I do the same with whoever plays the Lakers, so. Well, then you're pretty happy. Yes, generally. Um, I'll let you finish on Joe. Oh, wow. that got to be a better way to say that. <laughs> there would be a lot of people that would be excited about it. And what, So Joe's pitch to stay in the game uh, was that Abby should be a target. And I think a lot of people found this laughable. And I'm not one of those people. Uh, well, I'll say one thing that 
it's not convincing an argument to not vote for Joe because any argument fa- fails because it's like, no, nah, I think I'll just vote for you. Um, but he has to try. Uh, I kind of saw the point he was getting at. Well, how about you? Yeah, I did too. I mean, and it's grasping at straws, but for a straw grasp, it's, it's fine. The problem is if you're going to make that specific pitch, you have to, basically you have to name names. You have to say a specific person that might be taken out so that other people are going to be able to drag Abby to the final. Because as these people are hearing that, you know, Abby's going to get taken to the final and it might not be you, everyone is actually just hearing like, oh yeah, someone else might get taken out by that, but not me. One of you is going to be dumb enough to get taken out. Well, I think the implication was pretty clear that it's going to be Jeremy or Spencer. Like, if you're not working with Abby, then the people who are working with Abby will remove you so they can go to the end with her. So then, again verbalize that you don't think he did uh at least not at tribal council that we saw i I do think that it was pretty clear judging by the remarks that he made as he was leaving tribal council when he very heavily emphasized the word boys as he was saying good luck boys on the way out i'm pretty sure he pitched that like hey listen the women are against you yeah and also i think the fact that Spencer and Jeremy had a conversation that echoed exactly the things that Joe said to them. Like, I don't think it was vague to them. I think they understood pretty clearly what they were saying is that, yeah, remove Joe from the situation. I think the point is true. Goats that are other people's goats aren't very useful to you. And they're like, oh, drag that person to the end. They're a goat. It's like, well, they're not if they're not your goat. Then it's just somebody who's chewing on your lawn. Like, (laughs) and that's the point. Yeah, Abby isn't a threat to beat Jeremy or Spencer in Survivor. Abby is a threat to take their spot at the end. Because if nobody wants to vote out Abby, they might vote out you. So are you suggesting that Spencer and Jeremy should have gone along with Joe? Um, I think it was worth listening to. Ultimately, no, it's Joe. You get rid of Joe. Because he's Joe. But in another scenario, that is something you need to consider. I think it was something that they did need to think about. And... Frankly, you know, the people who think that Joe had no strategy there, that was the Sari pitch. That's why Sari got rid of Courtney in Panama, because Courtney wasn't her goat. She was going to be somebody else's goat, and they would vote out Sari instead. Um, and also, I don't think Spencer and Jeremy had much choice in this vote. I agreed. So that, that was going to be my point, which was that I don't think they really got to call this shot. And at a certain point, when the numbers are against you, you just shrug and say, okay, well, it's Joe then. Yeah, I mean, especially this season. Live to fight another day. It changes every mm-hmm. week who the target is and who's on top. Um, it was them, and then it wasn't, and then it is again, and you never know who you're even going to be voting with next week. But, you know, from um, you know, a theoretical perspective, yeah, I think that is something you need to consider. If there's somebody that everybody wants to take to the finals, and you're not aligned to that person, then I don't know if they're very useful to you. And I think especially that Abby might be a threat to Jeremy and Spencer, as odd as that might seem, because if you're Tasha, maybe you might want to go to the finals with Abby. If you're Kimmy, you're already thinking about it. Maybe even Keith, but I don't know if you'll think about it. And if you're Kelly, you're definitely thinking about it. Right, but that's that's that one's fine, because Kelly's on the other side and has never really made an impression that she'll be on Jeremy's side. Maybe for Spencer, it's a problem. But yeah, it's like that's... If Tasha's going to stray to the other side... It's probably more because Abby's in the game than necessarily that Kelly's in the game. Now, at the end, with this specific situation, I'll vote out Joe now and worry about that later. Yeah, uh, exactly. Because we didn't even mention the consideration that, you know, Joe is winning the one thing that will 
definitely keep you safe. And with him gone, your odds increase dramatically of getting that immunity necklace. If you're Spencer, I think uh, we can probably stop talking about Jeremy as though he is some kind of threat. At least not oh. until like four other people are removed. No, I, I, the odds argument was more that Joe being there had like an 85 to 90% chance of winning any immunity. Mm-hmm. So now that he's gone, at least the field is much more level. Yeah. Oh, and then also for rewards if you're ever on team ones. Because I think Jeremy was never on Joe's team because he was always the second pick in the draft. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I think, you know, it's a decent pitch. It's not going to work with your Joe, but you know, what, you know, he already burned the everybody thinks I might have an idol type pitch. So Yes. Um, so yeah, I think they were right to listen to it, but as you say, I don't think they actually had the choice. I think this was, I think Tasha was like, yeah, cool, but I'm going to vote out Joe. Right. So if you guys just want to throw a throwaway vote somewhere else, go ahead. So, um, what was that Tasha? Like, what was she snitching all that about? I didn't, uh, I'm confused about Tasha's game because, I mean, I guess we should probably weigh her options here, right? She's got the offer from Jeremy and Spencer. Us three to the end. Let's do it. And seemingly, at least on what we saw, she thinks that's an appealing offer. She also got the Women's Alliance offer on the other side. And at least theoretically, that's going to get you to a final four. And then at worst... You've got, you know, a one in four shot of winning immunity, so you're going to make it to the finals, and maybe there's a some sort of split there you can work your way in. Who knows? But I'm really confused by where she's going here. Is she actually going to stick with Spencer and Jeremy, which I think is probably a guarantee of getting to the final three, but also a guarantee of losing? <laughs> Well, I'd say at this point, it's not even a guarantee at the final three. Like, she might already be outnumbered, right? Because <laughs> Keith is still a person in this game. Um, three is less than seven, I think Brad Culpepper would say. I, I I meant final three only in that I don't think they would turn on her because I don't think they would feel the need to. Right, yeah, and also they, they're they're running out of options. Yeah, it's it's kind of quest- – it's, it's difficult. Um and I think the initial impression is like, what are you doing? Like, that other side has much more people that she could beat than Jeremy Spencer, who are two people she probably can't. I mean, I understand mm-hmm. within the fog of war, you, she might not feel that way. Um, we definitely have that perspective that there's no way Tasha's beating those people. Um, right. I think after last night's episode, I think the odds of Tasha winning at all have gotten pretty small. Um, I don't know what side would necessarily be better because as great as that women's side looks i don't know how real that offer is i think that's an offer like yeah come with us because we want more people to be with us than not but i don't think anybody there has her in their final three plans i'm not even sure they actually have her in their final four plans i think going with the women is probably one of those higher risk higher reward scenarios where Yes, it might be a tougher path to the final three, but if she gets there, her odds are probably a whole hell of a lot better. Yeah, no, then that's a great point because, you know, going with the guys and that's a final three deal, but that's the deal to lose. She's going to lose. Now, I think uh, what Tasha's plan needs to be is to manufacture it so that she can go to the finals with Kimmy and Keith. And you can do that by playing both sides. It's just difficult to play both sides when you go to one of those sides and say, hey, there's a women's alliance going over there. Like, I don't have a problem with her not necessarily going whole hog in this women's alliance deal because ultimately women's alliances are – that's 
gender isn't enough of a bond, you know? <laughs> Boat along your interests, not because you're trying to make a strike for the, you know, sisterhood or anything like that. Um, if I ever played, I'd be totally about the patriarchy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would be about forming alliances with people that will help me win. Um, that, this is a crazy thought. Uh, but, so I don't have a problem with her not, you know, necessarily being excited about that, but I don't know why she told them. That move was weird to me, and I can't figure it out. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I question her motivations, and I don't know which side of the line she's actually on. I think, I think she's actually more sincere about being with the guys, because I, she just doesn't seem like the Women's Alliance type to me. Yeah, and and from what we've been able to garner from her, and I think it's kind of limited, she's been pretty absent since Angkor, is I think she was all in on this, like... Going to the end with Jeremy and Steven or being with Savage. Like, I don't, like, I think that bond we saw, I think, in the very first episode where, you know, Savage and the bros, you know, quickly bonded together and they picked her off as the one woman who was allowed to play. And, uh, see, see, how do you like that internet? I'm, I'm speaking your language here. <laughs> Pandering. Uh, I think that's where she's been the whole time since then. And maybe that's just the kind of place she feels more comfortable with. But I don't see how that is a way to win Survivor. Hey, speaking of comfortable plays, though, Spencer flipped from voting out Steven last week to immediately running right back to Jeremy and Tasha and being like, we're good, right? And you know what that brought up in my mind, right? The the call back there? Tony? That's the Tony move. Spencer learning from the master. Yeah, and I also think it's kind of indicative of the season. Like, as every time we think, okay, okay, this is what it is now. These are the people that are together. Nah, nah, not at all. <laughs> yeah, Fishback yeah, aligns with the three witches, and then, like, the very next scene, let's get them out. And they're like, let's get him out. Like, it's, it's that kind of season. Now, with Spencer, I kind of feel like that wasn't sincere at the beginning. I think he was just trying to play damage control and keep his options open, but I think the episode kind of conspired to make that end up being what's really on the table for him. Yeah, he might have just been doing some platitudes and mending fences and stuff like that just in case, and then it became clear, like, oh, this is actually a thing that I do need to do. Yeah, and I I guess that's why you do it, you know? That's why he meant those fences. But I don't think, like, when he went right back to uh, Jeremy that he was actually like, yeah, I'm going to the end with Jeremy. It was just like, I don't want Jeremy to vote me out next, was the primary motivation. But I think after Wentworth goes on reward and chooses everybody but them, and, and you know, Kimmy uh, outmaneuvers him to get into that other alliance, which would actually be a better spot for Spencer, much like we're saying it's a better spot for Tasha, uh... <laughs> Suddenly it's like, oh great, yeah, good thing. See, I'm I'm completely loyal to you guys. Cause hello, anybody, anybody. Um, how do we feel about Spencer's game this season? I don't know if we've talked about it a lot. Um, he's actually had some successes, and I think he might win. But what's he doing? I mean, he's been, I think, in our that top tier of three potential winners, uh, which at times has had like three and a half in it. <laughs> For a couple weeks. Yeah, because he's just, like, Joe is, like, this other category who we didn't think would do it, but if he does. I think we're now at three. I don't really consider Joe, uh, Tasha a uh, half. No, 
not at all. Uh, I think previously you maybe could have, and I think I did. I think she was. Oh, my... easily. Yeah, I would have had her. Like she has some chance. I'd still say maybe she's not zero percent, but I don't see her winning. It's hovering just over yeah, zero, one percent or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he actually finally got to seemingly at least, uh, control some votes, which is not a position we've often seen Spencer in. So bravo to him. And he does seem to actually be employing some of these strategies that he was so intent on trying in Kagayan. Actually, I don't think they were even his strategy intentions in Kagayan. I think he really did learn from Tony, like, well, I can try this and this could actually work. And I think it's working out for him. I think. He at least has enough relationships that even if this does fall apart, you know, maybe he can move in with Kelly if she's willing to accept him and needs his vote for some reason. Yeah, uh, I actually don't know that that women's alliance is necessarily a real thing or solidified. You know, Kimmy went up to her and was like, how about a women's alliance? And Kelly did what you always do. Yes! <laughs> exactly. The correct answer. Yes. You want to align with me and not vote for me? Yes, I'm all for that. And that's how she's been this whole season. Um, she's been a very Sandra-like player. Anyone but me. So, you know, and to the degree that she did cast a vote for Cass when, you know, the writing was on the wall. Once people were starting to talk about Fishback, she's like, fantastic, let's vote out Fishback. Um, so I don't think she's necessarily all in, although, you know, you wouldn't necessarily be opposed to being with Kimmy because I don't know how threatening Kimmy is uh, to win. Um, I could understand why out there they might be a little concerned about her. Uh, obviously, the edit has told us that Kimmy is not winning, but out there it might be like, well, you know, she's a single mom, you know, been a, the only person that's been on this show, you know, prior to two years ago. So I could understand why you might feel a little threatening, but you, know, you probably still feel pretty comfortable being in a, an alliance with Kimmy. Uh, but I don't think that we won't necessarily see another reshuffling and yeah, see Kelly and Spencer work together if it, it works for them to do so to maybe take out Tasha. Yeah. And that means that we still have all three members of San Juan del Sur left in this season, by the way, which is amazing. We actually have at least half the Kagayan crew in here too. Um, the only two that were really connected beforehand. Way to do all your pregame strategies, folks. Yeah, everyone was so afraid of this Kagayan 4 and barely mentioned the San Juan del Sur 3. Now all three of them are still in the game. Although, to be fair, I don't know how connected any of those three are. Yeah, I think they're as connected as, you know, a lot of people are this season. It's like, oh, sure, let's talk right now. I think Jeremy and Kelly are not at all. And then Keith, uh, Keith sit up. Who knows? Yeah, Keith, Keith is a Keith, so no one's against him necessarily. Yeah, although now that Joe's gone, they might need to start looking at the challenge beats that's still on there. Um, <laughs> quick aside, yeah. that was impressive as F. Like that, yeah, I don't think we can think about it. I don't know if TV really captures it, but those poles had to be really heavy, and that was like an hour of holding it up like 20 feet in the air. And he's like 50-something. Yeah, he's a retired man. That That's no joke. I mean, obviously this challenge literally floored Joe. And Keith was still there, so, you know, bravo, Keith. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of people have been saying this. They've noticed that San Juan del Sorians are out there and they're dominating. Two of the dominant figures of this season, Jeremy and Kelly, were from San Juan del Sur. Keith is still out there. This must validate San Juan del Sur, a season that did not get a lot of respect when it was on, including um, from this show itself. 
but now has um, gotten a weird wave of um, revisionist history support from from people, and those people are like, "Yeah, see, we were right about San Juan del Sur." And what do you think about that? It's a hilarious argument because you know sometimes great players play for bad teams. It happens. It doesn't somehow make their teams better in hindsight. Yeah, for me, this is the opposite. The success of Jeremy and Kelly does not validate San Juan del Sur. It further condemns it. Because the flaw of that season was that people that might have been good were marginalized and removed so that people who sucked would dominate. Yeah, with the exception of Natalie. Always with the exception of Natalie. Yeah, she was fine. She was good. Yeah, and people also like to use that. Natalie was great. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Kim was great. Are you going to say One World was amazing? No. Oh, I was just going to make the Boston Rob argument. Like, oh, Boston Rob was great. Was uh, Redemption Island so good? I decided that sometimes I just can't bring up Boston Rob. Just Yeah, say. that's probably a safe bet. And also the argument applies to both, right? So, But yes, no, I think that we're seeing the greatness of Kelly and uh, and Jeremy here make San Juan del Sur look worse. Because she was barely on that season. So I don't know how her being good now means anything about that then. And Jeremy was taken out pretty early, uh, like halfway through the season. Uh, a lot of the season was dominated by John and Jacqueline and Baylor and Missy. So shut up with your San, like if you can like San Juan del Sur, that's fine. It's not like it's Nicaragua or anything like that where I think if you like it, you're probably just a crazy person. I understand you can like it, but suggesting at all that what's happening now has any relation to what's happening then is a crazy person argument. Uh, and also like Keith. Keith was a dominant figure in San Juan del Sur because it was so dearth of talent that they needed to focus on, you know, somebody who's fun. This season, we're getting little morsels of Keith. They can't, they don't have enough time for him, even though he still seems to be lots of fun. I actually like him. Uh, that's the difference between these two seasons. In one season, he's, you know, the star, and the other one, he's a sideshow. Kind of like uh, how in, um, you know, Stephen Fishback's original season, Coach was like this, you know, laughable oddity, and then, you know, three seasons later, he's like the dominant player. Doesn't change anything. Well, I think the problem is that, you know, in San Juan del Sur, you needed Keith to move along the plot because there really wasn't much of a plot. This season, there is. There's actually stories to tell and things happening, and Keith is not part of those things. Yeah, and like the big flaw of San Juan del Sur was the terrible casting. And I think now some people will be like, oh, see, the casting wasn't so terrible. It's like, nobody said they went 0 for 20. The problem is if you get like the, the mix wrong in your casting, then the bad ones take over, and that's what happened. And the show itself admits this. This is a show that made, that wanted John Rocker so bad that they cast his girlfriend who they figured would quit and she did. This season does not prove anything about San Juan del Sur. And if it does at all, it's just that what many, what, what wasted opportunities were on that season. Well, it's fortunate that you mentioned the, uh, San Juan del Sur cast because we actually got to see two more of them in, uh, the episode. We got Jeremy's wife. And Kelly's dad, who were both actually on that season. And as far as family visit episodes go, I mean, this is a very low bar for enjoyable family visit episodes. I think this one cleared it pretty easily. Yeah, I, you know, usually do a rant about how people rant about <laughs> the family visit episode, but that didn't really happen this time because I think it was one of the better ones ever. Some of that obviously is that our previous connection to some of the family members. But moreover, like this season, and I don't know why this is necessarily uh, something they decided to focus on, but they did some really good long-term storytelling that paid off with the family visit. 
like from the first episode on. Yeah, I mean, they laid it out for us that Jeremy really loves his wife and his family, and he's going to have a kid, and then we but find out... But he's not going to tell anybody? Yeah, we find out at the family visit that it's a boy, and, you know, he's he's weeping. He's like, I'm going to have a son. This is so cool. And even, like, my cold, emotionless robot heart was like, a little bit of feeling in there. Just a little bit. Yeah, and the secret scene, or well, bonus scene of Jeremy or whatever, revealed another level to that that I hadn't considered. That when uh, Val didn't really look all that pregnant, he his first instinct was to worry that something had happened. Oh, oh God! Yeah, uh, yeah. so good thing that yeah you know, she gave him that uh, good news. Uh, yeah, that was obviously the you know story they laid. I think it's not in the first episode, the second where Jeremy you know, had his you know they're expecting, but he doesn't want anybody to know that. It was when you know, people went off crying about Savage's story, or Stephen tried to throw people under the bus, one or the other. Um, that unethical bastard. Yeah. Uh, in the, in the first episode, in the first, um, like the cold open, Joe talked about how much he wanted to make the family visit so he could visit with his dad. Um, they paid that one off big time. I think episode like three or so, we got Spencer's feelings talk. Yeah, about how, and him and Jeremy bros, bro down about how Spencer never talked to his, told his girlfriend he loved him, which we made fun of at the time, rightfully so. And also, it was kind of, it was weird, right? It was just like this one. It's a very awkward scene. Yeah, it was just like, I'm going to yeah, develop relationships. Uh, how's it going, Jeremy? Nice to meet you. I've never told my girlfriend I love her. Uh, people are like, oh, that's a winner's edit. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was to set up this moment. And it worked. Yeah, I, like I said, I mean, generally, I have very low expectations for the family visit. And this one, this one was good. It was, I mean... It wasn't a throwaway part of an episode. I actually got something out of this. Yeah, I think it humanized some of the characters as well, uh, especially two of the ones that are contenders. The third is the person who won the challenge. And this leads off another, you know, debate that I think every time happens. Uh, is it worth winning the, the loved ones reward challenge? Uh, probably not. And I bet that once enough people get that into their head, People are going to start intentionally throwing it, and they'll have to do some sort of change to that format. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is, like, all things Survivor and thus not fun, it's situational. Uh, it all depends, because honestly, I think if you're somebody whose game would be totally thrown off by your the decisions you made at the Loved Ones Challenge, you might not have been in the best place to begin with, uh, because I think of this episode... It paid off smashingly for Kelly. Everybody who says she should have thrown it is like, oh, you mean throwing away her opportunity to completely solidify a, a relationship and bond with Kimmy? Uh, to isolate Spencer? To potentially buy Joe's jury vote? Like, I think actually it worked out really well and Kelly was really smart not to throw it. Um, I think also more than that, it's, it's complicated. Uh, even if it's the right move and everybody's like, well, like Cochran in with his mom, as though Cochran and his mom really had a shot to win the challenge. Um, right. I do wonder if, if she did manage to buy Joe's vote. I mean, the, the, uh, good luck boys thing on the way out, that might have also been a signal like, okay, well, just so you know, with a, if one of these ladies takes you to the end, I might vote for the lady now instead. Whereas we were going to bro down before. Yeah. You know, if anybody didn't live up to their expectations of Joe, it would be them, right? Like, I mean, Kelly didn't really owe him anything. She, he cast her name already. Uh, if she had not played an idol, then he would have voted her out. Um, I don't know if it 100% bought it, but it certainly couldn't have hurt. Like, this was a legit goal, probably side-by-side side with winning for Joe, because he knew, as, you know, we did, 
winning's a tough thing for somebody with as big a target as Joe had. But family cha- family visit is achievable, and Kelly can not only say that he gave she gave him that time, but she helped not hit, vote him out the week prior. So, yeah, it it could have helped. It it didn't hurt. I I I challenge you to find an instance where Kelly winning and choosing people this episode hurt her position in the game. Well, hey, Kelly has now helped fulfill two dreams. She got Savage on the jury. And she got Joe his family visit. Yeah, and bravo to Abby for not taunting him with that on the way out. Uh, she is growing. It's a growth arc. Uh, but, you know, with the loved ones challenge, should you throw it? I will say that if I were out there on Survivor and it was my wife, I would try as hard as I could to win. And if it somehow cost me the game, I think I could live with that. Because uh, almost everybody loses the game. But I wouldn't want to miss out on that time of spending a night with the person I've been watching Survivor with for the past 13 years, you know? Uh, so, it's all fun and games to say Cochran threw a visit with his mom. Well, maybe Cochran isn't that freaking close to his mom, people. And again, <laughs> she's not going to beast her way through the challenge anyway. Uh, I think it's, you know, if you think your uh, relationships in the game are that precarious that it could be hurt by it, then maybe don't touch that fire. If you think you need the food that's going to come out of it and you're already on the block anyway, then who cares? Beast it if you can. And if you're in a good enough position... It's like any other reward. It's a, it's something you should be able to overcome. Now, interestingly, the person that seems to get most pissy about not being taken on rewards is Spencer. Well, you know what it probably was, though, is Kelly should have just said, listen, I'm following the Terry Deets hierarchy here. Spouses first. But he didn't pick then, spouses. That's true. She didn't actually pick spouses. So she, she, yeah, keep, she totally but... blew it then. She didn't follow the rules. You always take the spouses first because that's the most important. Then you got to take the kids and then parents. Than everybody else. Actually, one thing I noticed when I was watching is how much my perspective has changed in life. Because uh, back in Panama, when Terry said that, I thought it was, you know, a poor read of the room and showed his lack of social skills. But I didn't really disagree with him. I was kind of like, whatever, you know, parents, eh. Like, I, I, I've been living away from my parents in different cities for years. Going, you know, a few weeks without them would not be different. But now that I am a parent, like when I saw, you know, Joe and his dad, I'd be like, wow, that would really be nice if my kid, like, you know, was that excited to see me. And, like, if I could still be affectionate with him from, you know, when he's 20s. Yeah, I probably wouldn't kiss him on the mouth uh, full on like I do with, you know, my two-year-old. Who? Why is this a discussion this week? Who cares how Joe and his dad kiss? I know. Well, I mean, ultimately, yeah. When I saw it, I wasn't like, ugh. I was like, honestly, I was like. Yeah, it's not my thing, but I thought it was really nice, and that's just the weird thing about how I've become, like, this lame-ass dad now. But it's like, (laughs) man, it would be cool if when my kid is 20, we're still expressing our love for each other. I don't know. That was Yeah, well, you are peak dad. But I think Kelly actually made all the right choices is one point I just wanted to make. And, you know, Spencer can get pissy about it, but I don't know if Spencer's in her final plan, so it didn't matter. I think she helped solidify bonds with Keith and Kimmy. Uh, you have to cater to Abby or you will die. Right. And, yeah, I think she might have bought or at least, you know, put a down payment on Joe's jury vote because she knew she wanted to vote him out then. And really, I mean, you can't complain about Jeremy not getting picked because he, it was by his own admission he had not told them about Val being pregnant. So 
it's not like Kelly was being totally heartless there. Yeah, in his bonus videos, he actually said it was probably for the best that he didn't spend that extra time with her. That people on, yeah, if she was there for an afternoon, they would have noticed that she was pregnant. And that he wouldn't have been able to keep it all together. You know, seeing her, getting to hug her, getting that news, that was what he, that's all he needed. And so I think, I don't think he's bitter about it at all. So yeah, I think it was fine. I think she did all the right things, and I think this is a scenario where winning was actually a really good thing, even though it was, you know, it's a minefield. It is, but, you know, skilled players can negotiate those things. And is Kelly one of those skilled players? Are we seeing her skate to the finish line now? It's tough, because we are seeing her play a really good game, I think. But I don't know if they are. Uh, I would disagree with that. I would say that she... Has her big hero move, taking out Savage with the idol. Yep. She's got an underdog story that she can pitch at Final Tribal Council. She seems to be tightly aligned with Abby and hasn't gotten burned by that yet. So if she just happens to bring Abby to the Final Tribal Council, which good on her, by the way, she's got a definite win there. And really, that makes her halfway to winning. She just needs to drag one more person that she can beat to Final Tribal Council. And I think there are several options here. I think she's in a fine position to win. Uh, just there's been a few red flags for me, and I would say those aren't red flags. Those are red flags she can overcome. The game isn't over yet, but it seems like in uh, what the common refrain I'm getting from you know survivors and their exit interviews and such is that um, they're just now realizing what a good game she was playing. And that never sounds good because that's frequently the person who either got taken out and thus they didn't have to assess or didn't really get any jury votes. Like this is, it was a common refrain for like Rodney last season that nobody respected him in the game. And then they watched and it's like, Oh man, Rodney was doing a lot of things. I think Jacqueline got it a bit. And that's just, that's worries me. Now I think these are, I, again, I'm not saying that this is like spoiler that she's not going to win or anything like that. These are skilled interviewers who are able to speak of their, you know, mind frame at the time of their exit without giving things away necessarily. But it is the potential danger of playing too far under the radar in that you actually don't get noticed. That's what happens when you're under the radar. And I think for her, it's, it's the wise thing at this point because she needs to stay off people's radar for voting. It's to her credit that people are trying to vote out Abby instead of her. Uh, but sometime between now and the finale, she is going to have to step out at least one more time, or as you suggest, just be with people who can't win. Yeah. And I think she's got the means to do that. Absolutely. We know she has an idol. She's got at least one guaranteed vote. She potentially has another one in, in Kimmy. If Kimmy is legitimately serious about sticking to an all women's voting plan. I think she would beat Keith fairly easily as well. And I think that's not lost on her. Right. So I think assessing the field, she's probably like, okay, I see that I can beat most of these people left. As long as I can get rid of the ones that I can't, I just have to make final tribal council. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I, I think she could win. I think, uh, I think like any of those three, not much separates them in terms of who is favored to win. I think the only thing that might put Kelly at three as opposed to one, two is just the edit has been favoring Spencer and Jeremy. But the edit favoring males is not an unusual circumstance in Survivor. Right. Uh, and also I think she was probably the least popular person on this season going in. So that the show didn't, you know, weigh heavily on her doesn't surprise me. Same time, she's been present throughout and that speaks highly 
uh, especially because, again, she probably wasn't very popular. But no, it's just, uh, it's happened more than once where people were kind of like, oh yeah, she's playing a really great game out there. But, you know, we, like, people thought they would beat her at this point in time, it felt like. Like, oh, I, we could probably beat Wentworth. And so th- those are just little, little, little red flags. It's like, hopefully she doesn't stay too far under the radar for long. But, you know, she could just turn around and play a second idol and that would do it. Yeah, exactly. That puts you right back on the radar. But let's go more near-term predictions rather than long-term predictions here. Who do you think's going home next? Well, I've been super awesome at this this season, so I've got some yes. deep thoughts. Uh, Likewise. Um, I kind of almost feel like I uh, it would be cool if I never get any right. I imagine by the finale, I might just have to ultimately figure out that somebody's going to be eliminated, but I bet I'll get their positioning wrong. So with that in mind, I'm just going to go crazy because trying to stay sane hasn't been very useful. I say everybody votes for Jeremy, but he plays his idol. Jeremy's group, though, they vote for Kelly. And she plays her idol. And no votes count. And then? Who knows, man? I literally like, I literally <laughs> don't know what happens. Uh, my guess is those two plus the idol holder are immune. Let's say the idol holder is Keith. Because uh, then that basically takes it off the board. And then, I don't know, Tasha. <laughs> okay. They spin the wheel. Well, I mean, and Tasha's face comes all up. Alright, so this is why Tasha. Uh, cause Tasha votes with the ladies. And thus, or no, or maybe, no, Tasha doesn't vote with the ladies, but she said that she would. And so Kelly, Kimmy, Abby, plus Keith vote her out for their herd betrayal. Sure. So, uh, congratulations for Tasha for making it another week. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say, I can bet large sums of money on that specific outcome not happening. If it does, I think I should get it. You should, and it will never happen because CBS is not known for keeping secrets very well when it comes to teasers for the next episode. So if there was something that dramatic, it would have let off that preview. There's still time. There's still the Sunday commercials. It's happening. Sure. All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll say Keith. Uh, I don't even necessarily think it's true. I'm sure I'm wrong just like you are. Um, but if I have to make logic, I'll say Tasha's the swing vote. And decides to push out Keith to keep her options open, keep up that illusion that she's with the ladies, and at the same time protect Spencer and Jeremy. I'm sure I'm completely wrong. I bet Keith is immune. Uh, speaking of Keith, uh, what was up with his vote? Uh, how is this actually an argument happening? Why is it not just that he and Joe were actually buddies? So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, but that, why Tasha instead of Abby? Like, that's, I think, what's throwing people off. It's just that, not that he didn't vote for Joe. So why do you vote for Tasha? I actually think I have the answer to that uh, from Joe's exit interview. Uh, Joe was trying to work with the girls uh, so that they wouldn't vote for him. I mean, they were he was still trying to vote off Abby, but trying to tell them that they should vote out Tasha. Uh, that Tasha was that had Tasha had flipped and told the information to them, which is either you know something he made up that was true or actually that he knew that was to be true. Uh, which would cause a reassessment. Why talk is going home next week? Uh, so he told them all that. Keith was in on those discussions, and then he never doubled back with Keith to tell him that it had flipped to Abby. So that's why. So Keith stuck to the plan. Keith stuck to the plan. Of course. It's a very Keith explanation. So one of the great mysteries of last episode was solved. All right. So uh, we have a website. We do. It's purplerockpodcast.com. All kinds of content, as they say on Internet Speak. Up there this week, um, we actually had something go up today 
which was your brainchild, so you should plug it. Uh, so Xfinity.com, uh, Gordon Holmes' website. I mean, he doesn't own the website, but that's what he... <laughs> if he did, he'd be far richer. Yes. Uh, that's what he uh, posts his Survivor content to. He's a Survivor writer there. I don't know if he does anything else, because I don't care about anything else. Uh, they are doing their Hall of Fame. They created a Hall of Fame uh, to draw clicks, and uh, I mean, to honor the show and such. <laughs> Uh, and it can be two things. Yeah, and uh, I think it is. Uh, we do things to draw clicks and also honor the show. Uh, it gets semi endorsement from Survivor and that probes, you know, participates and all that, but it's not really a Hall of Fame. Anyway, uh, they're doing their Hall of Fame again this year. Uh, what you can do is uh, nominate up to three players. The players cannot already be in their Hall of Fame and they cannot be on this season currently. So sorry, all you Keith Nail fans, you cannot nominate him. Uh, we, uh, because we are Survivor fans, each picked our own three nominees, um, for the hall. And we will be, I have already done so. We will be submitting those from our own personal accounts. I mean, I think you could do it every day, but eh, who wants to tweet the same thing every day? We're putting the show, Purple Rock Podcast show, up for a vote from you readers. Um, we, we all submitted our own nominees and you can pick from the nine people that the five of us chose. And the top three vote getters, that's who we will nominate. Um, gotta do it by tomorrow because nomination ends Saturday. So, uh, go to our site, vote who you think we should vote for, and, you know, uh, also vote yourself if you're so inclined to do so. Yeah. And your, uh, tweets should go to at Survivor Hall, I believe, right? Yep. That's, that's one way of voting. You can vote through their Facebook group. If that's a thing you do. Well, I think you can also vote directly through their website. Uh, so yes, Facebook. Oh, Facebook groups can vote. Yeah. So well, Rupert is in. He might be, unless they're just not paying attention because they had a, a it's not like, yeah, I don't think the, again, this isn't officially Survivor Hall of Fame. Yeah. Maybe there was a funny cat gift that distracted them. Or maybe they're not friends with the Xfinity page. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, Rupert might be in, and um, if you think he should be, you can vote for him on our site because we have uh, one of our um, writers has also nominated him. I went with uh, Jerry, Denise, and Earl because why not? I put my strategy or my reasons on the website. Yeah, and I picked uh, Yule, Colby, and Tina, and also you can read our post to find out why. Um, you. Where you see us tweet at the Hall of Fame is through our Twitter account. Mine would be Purple Rock Andy. And the show's account is at Purple Rock Pod, which is usually me. Except when I forget to log out. You can email us, purplerockpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how we've done on the audio quality of this episode. Yes, thank you to the person last week who told us that we screwed up. That's actually useful feedback. We are not in any way annoyed about that. Yeah, but I shouldn't have edited out the part at the beginning of last week's podcast where I'm like, eh, we're not really going to edit this week. That was my Oh, mistake. you edited that out? Well, because I actually did do a little bit of editing. It was just super oh. lazy editing. Uh, because that's us. Um, we can follow us on Tumblr, purplerockpodcast.tumblr.com. And I think that's it. That's pretty much it. If it's not, it's close enough. Hit the theme music. That's what it's like when a woman wants a baby.